our centering verse for the day from Psalm 63, verse 4. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. Let's lean into that verse as we begin worship. Merciful God, gracious presence, ever-welcoming spirit, bless you now. May your hands and feet be led and directed by God. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and most merciful God, many times a day our feet walk away from you, and even more frequently our hands avoid the ask to serve and hold and bless. Turn us again and again in the direction you would have us go, a direction of servanthood for the sake of the world. Amen. Today's reading is from the prophecy of Habakkuk, chapter 3, verse 19. The sovereign God is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. Good morning. I'm going to turn on my stopwatch. As I talk too much. Uh, I'm always shocked that, uh, and grateful that my colleagues show up to hear me talk in chapel. They hear me talk way too much and preach and soapbox and pontificate and diverge and tangent a lot. So thank you for being here uh, to listen in other ways. Uh, how many times in chapel do you have Habakkuk or Habakkuk or however you say that? I, I love that verse and, and grateful to Jerry for reading that for us. What a rough week or weeks. Um, you know, it's hard to focus on what I actually wanted to share because there's so many other things that are in my heart. And I've been trying this new thing of trying to take in and breathe in the suffering of and horrible acts of injustice and to breathe out grace and empathy, but still with a lot of resolve to do more and to fight on. Uh, one thing that I saw this week helped a little bit. A friend had shared a picture of the marquee outside of her Seventh-day Adventist church in Washington. It says, pray for those in need, then put legs on those prayers. And I would also add feet, legs and feet onto those prayers. Ironically, I hate feet. The fact that I'm talking about feet makes me a little bit uncomfortable. I don't like, I don't like my feet. I don't like your feet. Um... But as like all of us are, I think we're people of contradiction. I love flip-flops, and it kills me that I can't wear flip-flops at work, but I do hate feet. That's weird. But I'm going to talk about feet. Um, I grew up with, with three older brothers, and one of them, RJ, who's closest to me in age, we had a tough childhood and teenage years together. Uh, he wasn't always super nice to me, and I don't think I was very nice to him sometimes. But I remember often feeling left out by him. In particular, when I was in third grade, I feel like he left me behind all the time. He was two years older, two grades older, 
and I think he thought he was too cool for me, uh, and so often was walking by myself home from school, even though he was supposed to be walking with me. A few years later, when, we, when I turned 12, we went on a hiking, uh, backpacking trip together in our Boy Scout troop that we were both in. It was only five miles, but I was totally unprepared. My backpack was way too heavy, didn't have the right shoes. About an hour into it, he again left me behind. Went off with his buddies, went a lot faster than I could go. Well, I was really struggling. About an hour later, down the trail, running, is my brother RJ without his backpack. Um, with, with the same way he is now, very kind of no frills, uh, he's not gonna have a lot of fanfare, a lot of explanation. He decided while he was watching me struggle that he was gonna double time up the trail, drop his bag, not take a break, come back and help me out, lifting that, back off, or that bag off my shoulders uh, to go together. He was still kind of rude to me as we walked, but at least he was carrying my bag. And we're, we're incredible friends and, and very close now. But blessed are those feet, tired teenage feet, feats of kindness and of service. Another story that's not mine, uh, but a woman named Catherine Switzer, if you may have heard this story or seen some videos that circulate. In 1966, she was a student at Syracuse University. She loved to run. She trained unofficially because there was no women's cross country at Syracuse University or most other institutions. She had a, a part-time coach that was also a mailman that helped her train, but he didn't approve of her training either but he thought, well, she wants to run, I like to run, I'm going to train her. She wanted to run the Boston Marathon, not allowed in 1966 or 1967. But she proved to him that she could do it, and so she registered with initials, with her initials, and she got past the registration. The day of the race, she wore a hoodie, but she uh, wouldn't take her makeup off like her coach told her she should. Uh, she also ran with a friend and also her boyfriend, Tom. She said, the thing I worried about most was courage. Would I have the courage to keep running if it really hurt, if it got harder than I was used to, if Heartbreak Hill broke me? I was worried about maybe not having that courage if it got awful. They started out, first four miles were solid, everything was fine, then all of a sudden the news van came up and started getting a lot of attention. Well, she didn't know this, but one of the race officials, a guy named Jock Semple, with a name like Jock, I don't think this is gonna go well. He jumped off the press van got out, started grabbing at her. She described it as the most fierce, angry, mean face that she's ever seen in her life. Started grabbing at her, saying, get out of my race, give me those numbers. Then to rescue came her boyfriend, Tom, who is an all-American football player. Pushed Jock Semple so hard that he crumbled in what she called a wrinkled heap on the ground. She kept running, but she wasn't relieved. She was mortified. She worried that this man who was attacking her, worrying about his safety, uh, as she didn't know if he was injured. And then another discouragement, after her boyfriend caught his breath from that intense uh, moment, he started getting mad at her for drawing him into that and for forcing him to rescue her. He then slowed down and did not race with her anymore in that marathon. She said later what she thought as she thought about quitting. I knew if I quit, nobody would ever believe that a woman had the capacity to run a marathon. If I quit, everybody would say it was a publicity stunt. If I quit, it would set women's sports back, way back instead of forward. I'd never run in Boston. I'd always see Jock Semple and those like him knowing that they would win. My fear and humiliation suddenly turned to anger. And with that anger, she pushed forward. Afterward, 
the athletic association director said, and I can hear this, these sentiments echoed today, women can't run in the marathon because the rules forbid it. Unless we have rules, society will be in chaos. I don't make the rules, but I try to carry them out. We have no space in the marathon for any unauthorized person, even a man. If that girl were my daughter, I would spank her. She finished at four hours, 30 minutes. For those of you who are runners, that's pretty impressive. She never walked. She didn't stop. She ended up at the finish line with socks filled with blood from her blisters. She couldn't put her shoes back on after they finished treating her and wrapping those feet. Five years later, women were officially invited to run the Boston Marathon. Due to her work in 1984, the women's marathon was added as an Olympic sport. Blessed are those bloody, blistered feet, feats of strength and courage and of justice. I think like, much like the Pharisees of Jesus' time, we are just really obsessed with rules and processes and procedures and policies without occasionally checking ourselves and checking around us, checking the other to see if these rules are even the right ones, if they're just or humane or moral. But how blessed are those around us who see those inequities and those unfair, unjust laws. They run right up to that barrier and they smash through it, often at incredible personal cost. So that those who follow can do the same and right those wrongs. May we give our prayers legs and feet. May we use our feet for feats of kindness and of grace. May we see our feet sure-footed by the grace of God to shatter through barriers and pave the way to justice. God's work, our feet. Amen. Prayers are the collection of the voices of God's people sharing their concerns with the presence of God and the patience of God. Our prayer time today, I invite you to either give voice to your prayer or pray silently, hold that concern. It'll be a protracted moment of time in prayer and I'll wrap up with a concluding word. Together, let God's people pray. Hear our prayers, O Lord, and tend to them in due season. Amen. Now, dear friends, give glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ever ask or ever imagine. Give glory to God from generation to generation. Give glory to God through hands and through feet. Amen. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. I invite you to share a sign of God's peace with those all around you.